Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything Iman podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Joe Tillery. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Guys, I'm feeling a little reminiscy. I'm feeling a little bit like reminiscing on some of the good things from Kansas State basketball. We're going to talk a little bit about the past couple of games as well as what's on deck for tonight. Some stuff with Naquan Tomlin we'll touch on in this episode and a couple of other topics to discuss. But guys, before we do get into things here, let me remind you, if you have 30 seconds, it might even take you 10 seconds. Consider taking 10 seconds out of your day to go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast. And if you want something out of it for yourself, I get that. You know, it's how it works. Take a screenshot of that review and send it over to Pete Mundo. That is Pete, last name M-U-N-D-O, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Send it his way. We will send you back a koozie for that five-star rating and review on the pod. It helps us out immensely, and it's a great way for you guys to rep some Heartland College Sports merch as well. But guys, let's get into things here, starting with Kansas State basketball. K-State, fresh off of the tournament in the Baja Mar Classic, you've got Kansas State winning a big game, a big game against Providence. We'll talk about the ins and outs of that and what we liked about that game, as well as the Miami game following that, squaring off against Nigel Pack, former Kansas State Wildcat. But guys, I got to tell you this, there is one player I absolutely want to talk about in today's episode, and his name is Naquan Tomlin. Now I know what you're thinking. I know that nobody wants to talk about Tomlin. They've danced around the topic of, well, is it a return? Is it not a return? You know, he's suspended, but what's it for? Is it that? Naquan Tomlin was suspended from the team by Jerome Tang and the coaching staff. This is after a bar fight in Aggieville, which I don't know the full, you know, ins and outs of it, but I'll say this. If you're at Tubby's, odds are there's going to be a fight. It's just how it goes. It doesn't have to always include a basketball player, but at least once a night, there's a massive fight at Tubby's. So going to Tubby's is just, you know, a death sentence this, this, these days. You know, you don't know what you're drinking. You don't know who you're fighting. You don't know what you're doing. That is what Tubby's Sports Bar is right now. So shout out Tubby's for being just a, con- a consistent, you know, absolute gladiator battlefield for everybody. It seems like each and every night in Aggieville. But I'm going to move on from that. Naquan Tomlin was granted diversion. Now, I know Jerome Tang has talked about, like, hey, there's a lot of things in the legal process that we can't control. We can't even talk about getting Tomlin back until he's back, you know, with the team for blah, blah, blah reasons, for this reason, for that reason. Kellis Robinant, he does work for the KC Star as well as the Wichita Eagle. He writes a lot of great stuff about Kansas State. He talks specifically about Naquan Tomlin's situation. And I know that not a ton of people have talked about Tomlin. Like, that's just not kind of, like, I don't know if it's because there's more to the story that people don't want to talk about or there's whatever, you know, Whatever example you want to provide for that. But people have stayed away from talking about Naquan Tomlin. It's just how it's been. I mean, I don't know if anybody's really going to go to bat for Tomlin based off the fact that it's been it's been vague enough that people don't know much about the situation. And I'm not trying to add to that narrative. All I'm saying is this. If the player got diversion in his case, that is a massive step on the road to getting back to the basketball court. 100%. It just is. Not because he's a bad person or because he's XYZ thing or what the situation is. Because there's some vague stuff out there about what's happening with Naquan Tomlin, nobody really wants to touch on the topic because they just don't have the facts. Now, I don't have the facts either. I'm not saying I do or there's some inside source here, but I do know some good reporters that work for Kansas State and do a great job covering Kansas State, I should say. Maybe not work for K-State. Like my guy, Kellis Robinett, talking about Naquan Tomlin. Kellis has done an in-depth story talking about what's going on with Kansas State's former forward, I guess current forward, potentially. I don't know how you view it as a fan, but I do have what Kellis wrote. Deep diving on the diversion process for Naquan Talman. I will read you that and more here in a sec. This is Mr. Kellis Robinett. 
Kansas State men's basketball player Naquan Tomlin has been granted diversion in connection to his October arrest for disorderly conduct. A representative with the Manhattan Municipal Court confirmed that Tomlin attended an out-of-court service with Riley County Diversion Officers on Thursday and that his request to enter the diversion program was approved. Then he goes on to quote Jerome Tang. I want to read some of that real quick, too, because that's also important info. This is the last thing that Tang said talking about Tomlin, because it felt like every game Naquan Tomlin would be brought up as a, hey, any update on Tomlin? This is what Tang said. I don't know if he's coming back, to be honest. And then he talked about how we're still loving him through the process. I'll give you that quote, too. There is still a process that is out of our hands that he's going through, Tang said. This was last week, just to clarify. But we're loving him and we are supporting him. He's doing all the things that he needs to do here on campus that we've asked him. Diversion is massive in that process. Because I know there's a legal process that has to take place. Jerome Tang knows that. The coaching staff knows that. Fans know that. Naquan Tomlin knows that. This is still important because if you don't get diversion, you're still waiting for the legal process, continually waiting, continually waiting. Now you have the opportunity to do community service as well as potentially a fine. I, know, I don't know all the ins and outs. You know, I'm not a diversion officer. All I know is that don't get arrested again. That's kind of step one. And then step two, help out your community through different ways. So I know you have to pay a ball, a, not a bail, but you have to pay a chunk of money. And then you also have to do community service usually to get that taken off your record or whatever the case is with diversion. From the limited experience of what I know about, I, it's not happened to me, but I've had friends that have gone through the process. So there is a little bit of that there. Naquan Tomlin made his first tweet as a Wildcat since the process today, talking about some upcoming plans for tonight, or excuse me, today, I should say, because the time definitely does matter in this question. Naquan Tomlin, nay ratty, puts out a tweet saying, hey, I'm going to be in Manhattan at the outside of the Hy-Vee serving turkeys. First come, first serve. It's a turkey drive for families that might need a Thanksgiving turkey. Naquan Tomlin's giving them out at 3 p.m. at the local Manhattan Hy-Vee. That's great. That's the first tweet since the arrest, first tweet since things have happened in that sense. And in the picture, it's a little cartoon character of Naquan Tomlin holding turkeys, kind of cool thing. He's got a 35 chain on, showing his number. He's got a purple vest on that says KSU and has 35 on it, and a K-State hat on top. What's cool about that is I don't know that Jerome Tang and the coaching staff would be very cool with Naquan Tomlin posting about him wearing K-State stuff, even if it's a cartoon character, if he wasn't back with the team. I'm not saying that is like some conspiracy theory. There's some higher power thing working here. I just don't see the coaching staff approving something like this or being okay with this if Tomlin weren't a member of the team. To say, well, I play for KSU. I'm wearing my number. I'm doing this. That stuff doesn't really come when you're not on the team. I now have a growing suspicion that even though I don't think he'll play tonight, I think you will see Naquan Tomlin sitting near the end of the bench for Kansas State basketball. Maybe it's an you know it's a it's an out there theory. Maybe it's a little crazy or kooky or whatever adjective you want to say. I just feel there's something in the air that Naquan Tomlin returns tonight. Will he be on the court? More than likely not. I you know he probably hasn't practiced. Obviously he hasn't practiced with the team in a while. I don't know what his workout's been like. I assume he stayed in great shape. But from what we know from Coach Tang, they asked him, "Hey, you got to be going to classes. You got to be taking care of your stuff that you can." And once you're through the legal process, we'll talk about a return if that's on the table. Naquan Tomlin, from the sound of it, has done everything that the coaching staff has asked him to do, from you know going to class, staying out of trouble, you know keeping your head down, staying on the path where you need to go, whatever the case is. Now you get Naquan Tomlin posting for the first time, and not only that, his character is ripped out in K-State gear. I would expect the return of Naquan Tomlin here soon. And let me tell you what that means for the team. Because this team has so much upside and so much potential. You know, you saw it against number 12 Miami in that second half. You saw it against Providence. I know there's things you can you can harp on as to what we didn't do right or what we did do right. 
This team has a guy who's capable of scoring 20-plus points on any given night in Cam Carter. Same thing with Tyler Perry, a guy who can control the game, take care of things, whatever you want to say. I know fans are going to be a little bit, you know, not upset at Tyler Perry, but they're going to look at him a little differently after that five-point performance against, or excuse me, whatever he got. I think he got the 10 in that game. I know fans will look at him a little bit different after averaging 20 points a game, but here's the thing. I mean, TP, I think, is going to be a successful two-guard for K-State. Running Day-Day aims at the point who was suspended for this game for fighting, which is still absolute garbage. I mean, that is an utter garbage situation that both players got suspended when it should have just been the Providence player. It should not have been Day-Day Ames suspended as well, but that's, you know, whatever. We're past that. It's a one-game suspension. You're back tonight against Central Arkansas. I think you'll see Day-Day Ames running the point and Tyler Perry at the two-guard so he can focus on being a bucket, being a scorer. Cam Carter is a dog. He's an NBA player, 100% NBA player. Then you look at the players on the low block. Arthur Kaluma, NBA player, really good player. He's coming into his own a little bit. He's still figuring things out on the court. He's averaging 18 and 12 over the past two games. That's a great day. Then you look at David Gasson, who's had an uptick in play. I mean, he's played better basketball. You've had Will McNair, who's provided a big spark off the bench. You've had a couple of guys in that low block room that have had some big moments. I mean, Jarrell Colbert's looked good for stretches. You've had Will McNair look good for stretches. This is where it comes back. You get Naquan Tomlin, a perennial top 10, top 15 NBA draft pick. Will this change based off his situation? I don't think so. I think he's still got enough upside that he'll be an NBA draft pick within the first 20 picks. And I'll tell you this, guys. This is what I'm expecting because I know it's easy to think about him last year and be like, oh, it's Tomlin. I would imagine that he would be a world better than he was last year, and he was still incredible last year. Based on what we're seeing from Cam Carter, I would be shocked if Naquan Tomlin didn't hit the court and look better. Obviously, it'll take him some time to, to warm up. You know, he hasn't played basketball for a little bit here with the team or practiced in certain schemes or whatever the case is. There'll be an overlap period where it's a little bit rocky, a little bit confusing. If we're seeing Cam Carter go from a six-point scorer to an 18-point-per-game guy, Naquan Tomlin can go from that 10-12 point range to a 20 point range. I mean, that's how good this dude can be. If you get a lineup that consists of data aims running the point, so Cam Carter and Tyler Perry can focus on scoring at the two and three guard position, then you bring in Arthur Kaluma at the four, and then you roll Naquan Tomlin at the five. Once that team is all synced up, that's huge. Heck, even if you put Data on the bench for for a game, not not bench him for a game, but I'm just saying if he's the he's probably the first guy out of that rotation, and then you go Tyler Perry at the one. Cam Carter at the two, Arthur Kalu- you could move Arthur Kaluma at the three. I mean, you could leave him down at the four, but Art is Art is the three. Bring in David Gasson and Naquan Tomlin as the four and five, or even Naquan Tomlin, Will McNair at the four or five. That is a deadly basketball lineup. I mean, think about that. How would you attack that team? If Tyler Perry's bringing the ball up, you've got one of the best shooters in the country bringing the ball up. Cam Carter, an absolute NBA guy who not only is electric in, in terms of his two way ability. I mean. He's one of the best defenders in the Big 12, as well as clearly one of the better scorers that we've seen in the country. I mean, that's what Nate, or excuse me, Cam Carter has been. Then you get Arthur Kaluma, who is more physical and has more ability than most guys in the country. That dude who is working out in NBA workouts. Then you bring in Naquan Talman at the four. You don't have to toss him at the five, so he doesn't have to worry about defending some of the giant physical presence on the low block. Tomlin can be this two-way, five-out offensive player. I mean, that's an incredible lineup. Then you toss Will McNair down low like... It doesn't matter if it's Kansas on the other side of it. I feel so good about every matchup with every player. Tonight, I think we see that. I don't think we see that either of those lineups. I don't think Tomlin would play tonight. I really don't. I think the turnaround would, would be a little too quick. But when Tomlin sits at the end of the bench tonight, and I could be wrong, when that happens here in the next week or two, my, my, my guess is that before the month of December, we will see Naquan Tomlin on the basketball court. 
Once he's back up to speed, I think you see Tomlin get back out there in the rotation and Kansas State becomes a national title contender. I know that sounds stupid if you're not a K-State fan. I know people are laughing at me, but look at the roster. After those five guys, think about the depth you have. You've seen guys like Day-Day Ames, RJ Jones, and Michaela Bridge, who are all three freshmen, play big minutes. I mean, Buddy Rich arguably is one of the most athletic people in the entire country. I mean, absolutely one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Once that guy continues to get comfortable as a freshman in Big 12 basketball, he's going to be a problem. There are so many good people on this roster. Then you look at a guy like Quez Glover, who's still you know banged up with his knee injury. Once he gets back in the lineup, you've got one of the better shooters and better scorers in the country, a guy that averaged 20 points per game at Samford. This team is scary. I would not want to scheme against them. I mean, you think about this. Plug Naquan Tomlin in in this game against Miami, and I know that K-State, like, you could have won that game if there's another 10 minutes on the clock. I feel like that's the mentality. Coach Tang already took, you know, took the blame for it, saying, well, we didn't do a good job of scheming against Pack in the first first half. That's why Pack goes, you know, whatever, six for whatever, five for five for five on threes, five for six on threes in the first half, scores 20 points. Then in the second half, he scores eight, because Tyler Perry takes it upon himself to deny entry and just focus on Nigel Pack the entire time. Scores eight points in the second half. If you do that in the first half, then you take a guy like Naquan Tomlin and have him play defense on Norchad Omir. I think that's how you say his last name. That's a different game. It's a different game, 100%. Will McNair had some advantage on the low block. David Gasson played some big minutes. Obviously, Cam Carter scored 28 and was a dude. I feel so good about this squad. I do. And tonight, you're playing Central Arkansas. Yes, you're favored by 26 and a half, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's some massive test game or some type of something like that. But what we want to see as fans is Naquan Tomlin at the end of the bench. I'm not saying it has to happen. I'm not saying it will 100% happen, but I feel I, I have it on good authority that this could happen tonight. I really do. If this does happen, Big Tw- the Big 12 is in trouble. I'm not, I'm not saying that K-State should be favored to win the league or favored to win a national title or anything crazy like that, but this team is going to be an annoying one for everybody in the league because there's going to be the Iowa States of the world. There's going to be the TCUs of the world that are really solid teams but are just missing slightly, like one big thing. K-State isn't missing anything. I know you lose that game to Miami and you shoot four of 28 from three. The game before that, you hit the most threes in a Jerome Tang-led team ever. You had, you had, I forget what it was, 11 threes or something like that, something crazy. 12 threes, 13 threes, I forget off the top of my head, maybe 14. The most threes in Jerome, Jerome Tang's ever coaching career, that's on a team with out Marquise Noel, who can shoot from anywhere on the court. You would have think that you would have thought that team last year would have done it at some point. Take that team for K-State. You're a defensive effort team. You're running up and down the court. You're more athletic than everybody. I mean, listen to the athletes I'm about to mention. Cam Carter, more athletic than your two-guard. Buddy Rich, more athletic than your everybody. Naquan Tomlin, same thing. Arthur Kaluma, same thing. Tyler Perry's not the most athletic, but dang, he's a gifted player with the basketball. Quez Glover, same thing. You have some really, really elite athletes on this Kansas State basketball team, and that's going to cause trouble for people. I mean, you saw it last night. I mean, Kansas loses bad to Marquette because of their athleticism and their speed in the game. They're playing free basketball. They're running up and down the court. And even though there's a guy like Hunter Dickinson on the court, that challenges Kansas. You saw that. You 100% saw that. And you will continue to see it when K-State gets back on the court and gets in rhythm. I promise you that. You will absolutely see it. Now, I know people want to hear a little football because I know not everybody's in basketball season yet. I'm kind of in the basketball mode, but we still have a couple more games here in Big 12 football. Will Kansas State make it to Arlington is the question. More than likely not based on what we know right now. You would need both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma to lose. I know there's some degree of what happens if Texas loses. We'll see what happens at that point. We can cross that threshold when we get to it because at the time you're listening to the next episode, we'll know what Kansas State is doing. We will. 
I would say there's a massive uphill battle, but you have watched some of the best K-State careers of anybody this season. Will Howard had an absolute great year. Top five quarterback in Kansas State history. He's the leading, the franchise's leading passer. That's a great thing. DJ Giddens, assuming he rushes for 31 yards, or th- excuse me, 39 yards, will become the third sophomore running back in Kansas State history to rush for 1,000 yards. The two with him, that would be Deuce Vaughn and that would be Darren Sproles. And that's splitting reps with Trayshawn Ward. So Deuce Vaughn as a sophomore accounts for 1,400, a little bit over 1,400 total rushing yards of offense. DJ Giddens currently, with one game to go, has 961 rushing yards to his name. Let me add up Trayshawn Ward to that spot, and you'll see how good the replacement has been. Not replacement, excuse me, but a guy like Trayshawn Ward steps in, and I know he had that massive play against Kansas with that huge run right when the team needed it. There's moments like that where you've seen it from both backs, but think about the total number here. So you've got you've got upwards of 950 yards with DJ Giddens. How about 595 from Trayshawn Ward? And the duo has ran for 1,556 rushing yards through every game but one. Deuce Vaughn had 1,472 or so. That's a huge step. Think about everybody that said they'd be worse. Think about everybody that said, well, you're going to be a little worse without Vaughn. I get it, I guess, but dang, this running team is awesome. The effort is awesome. DJ Giddens is a great back, and I'm excited to see what happens with Trayshawn Ward. I know he could fifth year and come back, but we'll see what happens there. DJ Giddens is looking like a man among boys, and I cannot wait to see him get to that mark. He needs 39 yards against Iowa State on Saturday. My prediction, real quick in the last minute of the show here for the game, I think Iowa State's good. I don't think they're that good. We're playing at home in Manhattan. K-State's averaging 45 points a game at home and 30 points on the road. If this game's in Ames, it might be closer. It might be a two-and-a-half point, three-and-a-half point spread. It's not. It's 10 points right now. Do I think K-State will cover? Maybe. I like K-State to score 41. I like Iowa State to score about 24. I think Rocco Beck's good, but I don't think he's seen much yet outside of that Texas game. So it'll be interesting to follow, but I do believe Kansas State gets it done. I do think also we're going to see a Texas OSU title game. But I assume we will get time to talk about that in next week's episode. I hope you all have had a wonderful time listening to the podcast. Once again, be sure to consider subscribing to the pod and leaving a five-star rating and review. It all helps us out immensely, and we appreciate it each and every day. I hope you guys continue to have wonderful days. Hope the weather's nice where you're at, and we will talk to you here soon. Go Cats!